I've studied positive psychology. As a matter of fact, I was in the uh, very first class that Martin Seligman gave, um, and he was the originator of positive psychology. And what they basically found was that what made one happy was having meaning in life. And so I think that, again, to what we're discussing today, um, as you are older, you um, have a different understanding of what's meaningful. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I look at a longitudinal study that looks at the relationship between love and happiness. Do you need one for the other? Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, the brilliant Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Good to speak to you. Uh, It's always great to speak with you. Uh, So Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. And Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, You can get that information and much more at our website, drkarensherman.com. Okay, so today we are going to talk about a new study my favorite. Uh, This one is going to be kind of on the topic of what's love got to do with it. So what that basically means is a new study in the Journal of Positive Psychology examined the relationship histories of 7,500, a little over 7,500 people, uh, and they followed them from the ages of 18 to 60. So this is a very long study, which is our favorite. Um, to determine who reported to be the happiest at the end of their lives, uh, the participants fell into one of three groups. 79% of those participants were consistently married, which means they were spending the majority of their lives in one marriage. 8% were consistently single, or people who spent the most of their lives unmarried. And 13% had varied histories, so a history of moving in and out of relationships, divorce, remarrying, or becoming uh, widowed. So the researchers then asked the participants to rate their overall happiness when they were older adults and compared it with the groups into which they fell. So first question, Karen, is do you think that there it was much of a difference. And I know you already know the answer to this, but do you think there was much of a difference in the reported happiness? Well, I was going to say, even without knowing uh, what the answer was that I know, no, I didn't expect there to be much of a difference in the three different groups. Why, why is that? Well, okay. So, you know, I read the study and one of the things 
which I'm going to say now instead of at the end, okay. is that they're reporting people at the end of life. Right. I think it would be interesting to compare these groups at various points in their life. You know, unless they're not writing the study up in the way they actually did it, because I think that at different points in one's re- lifetime, um, you might have different levels of happiness. Right. So, for instance, they're saying that they followed people starting when they were 18. So, let's say you looked at people who were 25 mm-hmm. and compared them. I think you would get a different result than you're getting at end of life. I think there's something to be said um, about the factor about it being end of life that contributes to um, whether you're happy or not, and not so much a um, consequence of being married. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I don't think that there's going to be much of a difference, but I would have liked to have seen results. So when we saw people when they were 25, when we saw people when they were 35, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm uh, I'm really glad you actually brought that up because I had written out that question as to whether or not oh. you felt okay. I, I didn't put it in in here um, yeah. what I sent you but I had originally written that out about what like do you think that the results would have been different had they measured it uh, or at least shown the measurements throughout the process um, but I felt like that obvious was answer uh, the the answer was obvious. Um, because how could you possibly have the same level of happiness while you're going through a divorce? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, you're going through a divorce. That's clearly an indicator that you're not happy with your situation, with your, what's going on in your life. So, um, wait, wait, there's another, you're right about that, of course. And, you know, pick 25. The reason I picked 2025 is because since, we are a couples society, and this study was done only in the United States, to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people who are unmarried at that point are going to say they're not happy because they think they should be married. Right. So, you know, you're right at around 35, 40, 45 people are possibly getting divorced, and they're not going to be as happy. Um, and maybe the people who are single at that point have come more to terms with it. But at the age of 2025, you're going to find a lot of single people who are going to say that they're not happy because they would prefer to be married. Yeah. I I was also going to, uh, say that one thing I feel is slightly misrepresented in this study is that they Mm -hmm. describe, so the, the range of ages is 18 to 60. Mm Mm-hmm. And they kind of describe age 60 as end of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not even close to the statistical norm for age of right. death in the United States. Right. I mean, you're off by almost two decades. Right. So um, I, that was a little because I feel like age 60 is when you're getting into that sweet spot of when people start retiring, when they still have some health uh, like good health. Um, mm-hmm. they're not spending all their time at doctor's offices and stuff. So I feel like that was a very peculiar 
age to stop at and then also then to describe that as the end of life. I thought that was... uh, I agree. I think that's a very good point. um, Okay. So I want to get into what the results actually were. And I do Mm -hmm. kind of feel like we've already discussed the follow-up question I had to it. But so the married group answered and and, uh, rating their happiness out of five, they ranked it a four out of five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The consistently single people answered 3.82 out Mm -hmm. of five. And those who had the varied history were 3.7 out of five. Mm -hmm. Um, Does the ranking uh, surprise you where the single, like I think based on all the other research that we have talked about over the years, the married group being the happiest probably isn't surprising, but does the consistently singled, um, eking out, uh, happiness over the varied history, 3.82 to 3.7 surprise you? No, that doesn't surprise me because again, um, if you've had a varied history, you've either gone through divorce or you've gone through death and that's going to weigh on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to create uh, stress and difficulty. So, no, that the results do not surprise me. Okay. And then um, how much of I, – I, again, we kind of talked about this already too, but uh, the fact that these results um, – Come down to like the couples have really found peace towards the end of their life. So Mm -hmm. in other words, um, you, by the age 60, you've kind of come to terms with your lot in life. And like, I, I just mentioned that this is like the retirement age. So you've most likely already had your career. Um, I know that there are people who have like second and third acts and like, I'm all for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the uh, like really amazing. Um, but you, wait, wait, let me stop you for a moment, Steve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean by second and third acts. Some of the listening audience may not. Okay. So do you want to just explain that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times people will, uh, they'll have their, so you, you grow up, you, you go to high school, college, you, you start your career, you have a full complete career, um, and you're, you're done. So, uh, you could be, you know, working in an office job for, for example. And then, um, all of a sudden in your spare time, you start painting, uh, as a stress reliever. And then the next thing you know, you're selling your paintings in a gallery and doing gallery openings. And your second act is that you have become an artist. Like you have, right. you are now selling paintings. And some people do this two, maybe even three times where they have full fledged acts, uh, careers, um, in mm-hmm. their lifetimes. And, um, just because one's over doesn't mean that you, you stop living. So, um, the point that I was trying to make with the, this, um, coming to peace is that, uh, Circumstances obviously change uh, in all uh, in a variety of ages. However, um, by the age sixty, you kind of know where your life is heading, um, and so you. Uh, I'm just trying to point out that a lot of these people who were um, interviewed and surveyed uh, likely have come to peace with their lot in life, their position in life, and that they have likely found some happiness in that. Um, whereas coming up, a lot of people are not satisfied with where they are. Um, the, to your point about 25, perhaps not being in a like they're not happy there 
but mm-hmm. by 60, like if you, if you, if you're single at 60 and you've always been single, you've probably come to terms with like, yeah, this is, I like this. This is, this is good. This works for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So, um, do, do you feel like I got a good read on that? I do. What I would like to add is I think that one's perspective changes as you get older. Um, you prioritize differently. You're able to look at things in in a different way, like from a, a different perspective where you um, don't sweat the small stuff as much. Um, you put value on different kinds of things. Um, you know, one of the things... Um, that we sometimes talk about um, in regard, <clears throat> excuse me, in regard to, let's say, as a um, a new homeowner, mm-hmm. especially when you're older, and something's bothering you, or or even in life, look at the situation and say, is this really something that would bother me five years from now, mm-hmm. ten years from now, and and if it's not, don't put so much energy into it. I think as you get older you sort of embrace that concept and you don't get as bothered by little things. You know that you have less years left to live um, and you just have a whole different way of valuing life. And so I think that that has a lot to do with um, being happier when you're at that age than you are when you're younger. Right. I mean, it's really comes, I, uh, obviously I agree with everything you just said. And I think it, it comes down to, well, part of it is perspective. Um, you've lived more of life and therefore you have a better understanding of what really matters and mm-hmm. what doesn't and what's going to, to your point, what's going to bother you in five years. And mm-hmm. when you're young, like when I, I know when I was young, I was, uh, like sports was all I cared about. Like that was my entire world. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care about, you know, who the, the vice presidential nominee was. Like I just <laughs> did not care. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and then as you get older, the world becomes bigger and you become more interested in more things. And so whether or not I had a good practice or what, like, it just seems so insignificant Mm -hmm. to me today. Mm -hmm. And I think that same thing happens with the rest of life. Um, and I loved your house analogy too, because as you know, um, I moved to my first home, uh, Mm -hmm. house, uh, just over a year ago. And it's like all the things that I thought would bother me are not because Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful that I'm in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, even when I see like, oh, I, a little paint got chipped here that would, mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact, it would have driven me nuts 10 years mm-hmm. ago. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I think that might actually add a little character. <laughs> uh, so, I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're not going to get crazy over it. But, right. Yes. It's not going to like take over my world. It's not going right. to. Yes. Yes. You know what it's like? I'm sorry. I, you said that and I'm thinking it's like when you're a teenager and you have a pimple, it's like there's no other part of your body except that pimple that becomes everything. And as you get older, you you wake up, Oh, I have a pimple. All right. Well, you know, it'll go in a couple of days. Right. So, you know, it's the same kind of thing. And, um, I think that, um, You know, I've studied positive psychology. As a matter of fact, I was in the uh, very first class that Martin Seligman gave 
um, and he was the originator of positive psychology. And what they basically found was that what made one happy was having meaning in life. And so I think that, again, to what we're discussing today, um, as you are older, you um, have a different understanding of what's meaningful. Mm. Um, And so, therefore, you can um, be happier than uh, getting caught up in everything at a younger age. That's great. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, <laughs> I love the pimple analogy because it's so perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I want, I'm going to move on. The, okay. the, the great thing about this study, and I, and I truly mean this, is that it points out that you don't need someone else or mm-hmm. s- specifically to be married in mm-hmm. order to be happy. I, I think mm-hmm. that is a very wonderful thing. However, we are a marriage podcast and a marriage website. So with that knowledge that you don't need somebody, as we clearly know, um, what can couples do who are rating rating their four out of five to be maybe a four and a half out of five or a a five out of five? Well, you want your relationship to be meaningful. So it's all the things we've talked about through all our different episodes where um, you want, you you know, and I think I made reference to this recently in one of our podcasts. I don't remember the name of the movie, but Richard Gere looks like he's having an affair and it's really that he's going for dance lessons. So that's a spoiler. I've, I've now ruined that for everybody. If you want to see that movie, but what came out at the end was why are we in a relationship because we want to feel like we matter and that's the reason he went for dancing lessons because mm-hmm. he didn't feel like he was uh, mattering in his relationship so i think that the more that couples can do things that help them boost the happiness in their marriage, the more that you would then say, yes, I'm even more happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, this, this study was, the focus was on what makes you happy. But if you then looked at couples um, who were happy and unhappy, I think you would see a disparity um based on what they were doing, what their marriages looked like. And so then you'd get different numbers. Um, so so my point is, I'm sorry, I'm, I sound no. like I'm going a little bit circuitous here, that if you do the things that do not create a humdrum marriage, okay. but work at appreciating each other, letting your partner know that they matter, um, being aware of each other's needs and respecting them. Those are the kinds of things that are going to shift you from a four to a four and a half or even a five. Okay. Um, like I can't listen to all that you said without thinking about novelty. Oh, absolutely. And how that would inject a lot of the purpose, Mm -hmm. uh, into what you're describing. Um, but I, I love the idea that it's hope. It, hope hope is what drives it and um, and being needed. And I think those are all really great. I, I mean, I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, I, I, to your Richard Gere point really quick, um, 
what's funny is you described how uh, he just wanted, he didn't feel like he mattered in his marriage. And so, mm-hmm. um, he wanted to do the dance lesson. So he mattered like that's, and, and the teaser that he may be having an affair, that would be the same reason why he would have right. an affair. Cause he wanted exactly. to matter. Sure. Um, so, um, okay. So the, the researchers point out that since the goal is to find happiness, uh, mm-hmm. um, th- it can come from all sorts of places. Uh, they, the researchers note that people derive enjoyment from other parts of their lives, not just the relationship. So they, with, with their significant other, that is, so Mm -hmm. they can, um, find happiness in friendships, hobbies, their work. Can you Mm -hmm. think of, um, other ways people can find happiness in their lives? Okay. So now it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, (laughs) but I'm not. okay? Okay. The truth of the matter is, that the best way to find happiness is to create it within yourself. And if you feel that there is meaning to your life, whether it's that you volunteer, that you help people out, whether it's that you um, do some kind of work that you feel is helpful, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, if you feel there's meaning in your life, you're going to be more personally happy. Now, Though a relationship is supposed to help somebody know that they matter, one should not derive their happiness based solely on their partner. Mm -hmm. The most constructive, healthy relationship is when you have two individuals who are each secure and each satisfied within themselves because then they are more available to their partner and more able to be aware and respecting of their partners. So even though in the last question I was saying, yes, you're in a relationship to know you matter, Mm -hmm. you should not get your sense of happiness and the only reason you matter is vis-a-vis what your partner is doing for you. Because at some point that relationship is going to end, mm-hmm. whether by divorce or by death. Right. And if you're going to totally count on another person for your happiness, when that ends, you're really in big trouble. Uh-huh. So you want to be able to rely on yourself uh, for your happiness and then spread the wealth between each of you. Yeah. And spread the wealth. That That's a a good way to put it because I think what you're describing too is when you, uh, as an individual and your spouse as an individual, um, have full fulfillment individually, you're mm-hmm. able to bring a hundred percent of yourself to the relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get that individually, if you're not there individually, you're 80% of yourself, mm-hmm. um, and what you're able to bring and deliver. So if you want to have, uh, 100, 100 relationship, you need to have two people that are at a hundred. Correct. Um, and then uh, I think what you were also describing, um, about wanting to be wanted is really goes back to like appreciation and respect. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so it's not that you can't be completely fulfilled, like self sufficient and confident and all that other stuff. 
but at the end of the day, you, you are happiest in a relationship where you're respected yes. and acknowledged for what you're doing and bringing to the table. Uh, so I think that's, um, I think it makes perfect sense is what I'm trying to get at. Yes. And so when you, now you're going to say, so what do you want to add? So here's a thought that I just had. Okay. If you looked at marriages where the partners were not happy with each other, or not in a you know in a healthy good marriage, I bet the happiness number would be lower than the people who never were in a relationship but who were happy within themselves. Mm-hmm. In other words, we don't really we really can't totally trust these numbers because <laughs> when they look at the married people. We don't know if they're good marriages or they're not good marriages. And my guess would be that if they were in unhappy marriages, that number would be lower for happiness at the end of life than single people who had come to terms and felt okay about who they were. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe that. Which also, interestingly, so 7,500 people, this kind of runs into um, things that we've talked about in the past about how marriages are actually on pretty good footing. There's a lot of doom and gloom uh, Mm -hmm. things that come out about like, oh, people aren't marrying and da, da, da. And it's like, but the people who do get married and stay married, like they're they're doing it out of uh, choice and with open eyes and with a little bit of more maturity to them behind them, a little more stability with jobs and careers and education. And we're finding that the marriages themselves are lasting longer and they're healthier and happier. Not to say that Mm -hmm. every, every one of them is perfect, but I, this all plays out in a very, um, kind of predictable way as far as I am concerned. Right. Right. And therefore, the original question was, I surprised with the results? No. <laughs> <laughs> Way to and bring it back full circle. Full, yes, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah. So. Well done. Well done. All right. Well, with with that, uh, Karen, we will wrap it up because you've already given us two anything else to add nuggets. Um, so I won't force you to try to come up with a, a third Ooh. one. Uh, so thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. Love uh, doing these podcasts with you and look forward to doing it again uh, next week. Okay. And with that, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can find uh, all that information plus more at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, we have this information up on our website, hitchedmag.com where you can find the entire archive of our podcast. Uh, You can find uh, thousands of articles on just about every relationship topic you can think of. Um, Plus, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out on Monday evenings. It's free. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. All you got to do is go to the homepage, and there's a box on the top right, uh, or you can click the newsletter uh, button in the navigation and sign up, and you will never be left out of the loop. So check that out, and until next time, that's going to do it for us. Take care, everybody. Are you ready? We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's showtime. Clear our heads of all our worries and fears. Now we know it's go time.